0: I'm to speak to you uh, this morning about renewal through the word of God. And uh, based on our passage from the Old Testament, 2 Kings uh, chapter 22 and 23. A few years ago, uh, an Indian scholar named uh, Visho Mangawadi went to Britain and gave a speech to members of the parliament. And in this speech... He thanked the British for the greatest gift that they had given his country. And he said the greatest gift that Britain gave India was the Bible. And he explained, he said, it was the Bible that challenged us to worship the creator rather than created things. It was the Bible, he said, that helped to reform colonial rule and taught us to value honesty and government. And service and leadership. It was the Bible, he said, that told us that all people are created equal, men and women. And that message unleashes the creative potential of people. Mangawati made the case that it was the biblical conviction, or it was biblical conviction, that led India to outlaw the practice known as sati. Sati was the practice of widows who killed themselves after their husband's death, throwing themselves on the funeral pyre. And it was a Christian missionary together with Hindu reformers who helped to make that practice illegal. So he was pointing out to Britain, to the modern West, which, of course, we know in many ways has turned its back on the wisdom of the Bible. He was pointing out how the Bible had had such a positive impact in the history of India. Now, of course, the story of Christianity in India is complicated and it's still being worked out today. And if you follow some of the news, you know what's going on there today with Christians in India. But Mangaladi's point was for this slice of history, the Bible had a remarkable impact on India and it still reverberates today. We could point to a number of historical examples where the Bible led to reform. Social reform and spiritual reform. How many of us would love to see spiritual renewal? In our life, in our families, in our churches, in our city, in our nation. It starts with the word of God. And we see a great example of that in our Old Testament passage today from Second Kings 22 and 23. Spiritual and social renewal through the word of God. This was a renewal movement that was led by King Josiah. That's the king who's being referred to here. It happened in the 7th century B.C. in the kingdom of Judah. And let me remind you of what was happening in Judah before Josiah came to the throne. Judah was sunk to an all-time spiritual low. The nation had adopted the gods and goddesses of their pagan neighbors. They had been influenced by their neighbors. They had been pressured culturally and they had been pressured politically to adopt the gods and goddesses. Of their pagan neighbors. They brought. Idolatry to the nation. They worshiped these idols. In high places. So throughout the book of Kings. You see references to high places. The hills and the mountains. Where this idol worship took place. But then eventually. The idol worship made its way into. The temple. In Jerusalem. That was set aside for the worship. Of the true God. So there was idolatry in the temple. Not only that, there was prostitution in the temple in Jerusalem. Maybe the worst evidence or the greatest evidence of how perverted the religion of Judah had become before Josiah was that the people of Judah were practicing the religion of the Amorites, worshiping the god Moloch, and that involved child Sacrifice. And we see in the book of Kings that there are references to kings of Judah who caused their children to pass through the fire. Their own children they offered as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering. That's how bad things were in Judah. Before Josiah came to the throne and he then began this reform movement, something that had happened also with King Hezekiah to a certain degree. But Josiah I think was the greatest reformer. And here is how it happened. He began to reform the nation according to the word of God. The high priest found the book of the law in the temple. As the temple was being restored and repaired. And it was common in those days. In ancient times to keep scrolls and tablets. Precious important documents in the Temples, we have historical evidence, archaeological evidence that that was happening in the ancient Near East. And that's what happened. They found this book of the law, probably a scroll, of at least maybe the uh, book of Deuteronomy, where the covenant laws and the judgments and the blessing of God is announced on the covenant people based on how they respond to his word. Or perhaps it included all the, the five books of the law, the Torah. But verse 10 tells us that the king's secretary brought this book to Josiah and the book of the law was read before the king. That's where the renewal started. And that's where it starts today. When we hear God's word addressing us. Josiah heard the word of God. Let's stop to just consider the implications of this, that God speaks to us according to his written word. He speaks to us, I should say, in this book. This is an important part of the Anglican tradition. We speak of the Bible as God's word written. We say in our liturgy every Sunday when the Bible is, after the Bible is read, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank God that he speaks to us through the pages and through the words of Scripture. And this is an important point when we consider what it means that God speaks to us. It tells us something about the very nature of God, that God is personal. I was reading something this week where a a Bible scholar was talking about this very concept. Actually, it was a Jewish rabbi and he was saying You know, the difference between God as a concept and God as a person has to do with the fact that God speaks to us in his word. He said a concept doesn't speak. A philosophical idea doesn't necessarily address us personally. Many people today still believe in the concept of God or an idea of God or God as a force or God as an energy. But the book of the Bible, the scripture tells us that God is a person and people address one another by speaking. And the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. He is a personal being. And so when Josiah hears the law of God being read, it arrests him. He senses that God is speaking to him as the leader of this nation. As this book is unearthed and he hears what happens when the nation departs from the covenant, from the law of God. He, he, he senses God addressing him personally. And when you hear the word of God being read or when you read the Bible, God is speaking to you. God is addressing you. This is not a book that just tells us about times past. It is a book that gives us wisdom for today. This is not a book that is just simply telling us how God interacted with people centuries ago. This is a book that tells us of the living God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, this book doesn't just give us information about god or knowledge about god through the scripture we get to know god because god speaks in his word aren't you thankful for that i know there are many people here there are some people here that are that are better scholars of the bible than than i am and and, and so I think one thing that we can say today is to to just thank God for the role that the Bible has played in our life. Many of you know this, that the Bible is your daily bread. And I know it because I've seen your well-worn Bibles. I've heard you talk about the Bible. I've seen your notes on the Bible. And for many people here today, the Bible is their daily bread because they understand that God speaks. And sometimes it takes time. To interact with the Bible in such a way, in a prayerful and meditative way, where we, we know that God is speaking to us. But he does speak. And we can grow in learning that. And maybe there's somebody here today who's never made it a habit, a, a part of their daily life, to take up the word of God and say, God, what are you saying to me today? I want to encourage you to do that in your life. In the Bible, God addresses us personally. and We're called to hear what he has say to us. If we're neglecting to hear God's word in the Bible, then we are messing out. We're, We're messing the key place where God gives us wisdom and hope and knowledge and insight. There's a general revelation of God that we can see through nature. We can understand something about God through nature. But the special revelation of God Knowledge of who he is, of the plan of salvation, wisdom for daily life. That comes through the written word of God. And so this is where the renewal begins as we listen. And then it's not only listening or hearing the word of God, of course. Josiah responds. He heeds the word of God. He takes action based on what? The scripture says based on what the word says. Now we see as you study the book of Kings, you see that there are other kings who were addressed by the word of God. Prophets would come to them and say, this is what God is saying. And they would. They would try to do away with the prophet. They did not want to hear what God's word said. And they went in the opposite direction of what God was saying. And so they shut out the word of God and then judgment came. But here we see a heart of somebody who wants to honor the Lord and a key element of that is not just to hear it, but then to respond appropriately. And and, and this is what Josiah does here. He responds appropriately. He heeded the word of God. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, what did he do? It says he tore his clothes. And this was... A symbol. This was something that happened in biblical times, when people, and I'm sure it still happens in places in the world today, when they get terrible news. As a sign of grief and devastation, they rend their garments, they tear their clothes, and that's what Josiah did. It's an act of grief. It's an act of contrition. It's penitence. It's humility before God, because the king is the leader, the representative of his people the people of Judah. And in doing this, he's saying before God, we have sinned and we are liable to your judgment. The judgment that you warned us about in this book that we've just found. So that's the response to the word of God. Response of contrition and humility and penitence and repentance. He hears the word, then he acts. And then we see him gather the people of the nation at the temple. He's going to Renew the covenant of, of the Lord. He's going to renew personally his commitment to the covenant. And he's going to call the nation to renew their commitment as well. Look at what it says in 23 too. all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. In the sight of all the people, he made a covenant before the Lord. What's a covenant? A covenant is a solemn promise. It's an agreement. Between two parties. It binds the two parties together. And in the biblical understanding of the covenant, there are blessings that come with that covenant and there are responsibilities. And so the king of Judah is renewing the covenant that God had made with the people of Israel. He's renewing that personally. He's committing himself personally to obey the word of God. But then it says the people joined in as well. The people promised. To obey the covenant. All the people joined in the covenant. So we have king and we have community. Covenanting together to obey the word of God. And at the heart of that was this commitment. To hear and to heed God's word. To do what God asks. And then in the rest of the chapter. As the story of Josiah unfolds. We see him taking further action to reform the nation of Judah. He tears down the idols. He tears down the high places. He gets rid of the idol the idols in the in the temple and all the paraphernalia that surrounded pagan worship. He got rid of all of that. And uh, then he instituted the Passover. The Passover had not been celebrated for, I don't know how long, decades in the nation of Judah. And he called the people together to to practice true worship of God. So there was a tearing down, but there was a building up. There was a tearing down of the idolatry, and then there was a building up in the true worship of God. This happened. Under the reign of Josiah. It's hearing. And it's heeding. It's listening. And doing. You see. James says. Do not be a hearer of the word of God only. But be a doer. Of the word of God. And this is what. Josiah did. How should we respond to the word of God today. How is God calling you to respond to his word? Are there idols in our life that need to be torn down? Do we need to identify the idols in our life? We don't have statues of Baal and Asherah, but an idol as you know is anything that is a substitute for God, any created thing that we look to for a source of security, identity, value, worth, anything that we put in the place of God as we search for security and meaning and wisdom and value and direction in life. If we put it before God, that's become an idol. So what are the idols in my life? What are the idols in your life? One of the great idols of our day, of course, we all know, is is money, material possessions. I was just thinking... Isn't it ironic that that little piece of paper that we carry around in our wallet and in our purses, it says on the back of that dollar bill, what does it say? In God, we trust. (laughs) It's almost like a warning. They were saying, you're going to be tempted to trust in this piece of paper. Remember to trust in God as your ultimate source of security. Don't look to money for that. Don't look for money to bolster your... Sense of self-worth. Trust in God. It can be money. It can be achievement. It can be technology. It can be the way we look. There are all sorts of idols. The human heart, as John Calvin, I believe, said, is a perpetual idol factory. One way that we need to respond to the word of God is allow the word of God to challenge the idols of our hearts and our culture. Identify the idols that are floating around and be careful and heed the call to tear them down. God, help us to identify these things in our life. We tear down idols in response to the word of God. We're called to repent in light of the word of God. Josiah tore his robes and it was an act of penitence. It was an act of contrition. What sins need to be repented of in your life today? Are there things in your life that are falling short of what God is asking you to do as a follower? Are there things in your life where places in your life where you're resisting the clear word of God? You're putting up a wall. You're like those kings who told the prophets, go away. I don't want to hear it. And yet in the scriptures, God warns of disaster that follows as we put up resistance to the word of God. Where might God be calling you to repent? What actions do you need to take in response? What promises do you need to believe in light of the word of God? What are some of the promises of God that you find difficult to believe, but God is calling you to put your trust and hope in his word? I read a phrase the other day, I came across a phrase I really liked. Wrap God's promises around your fears. What fears are you wrestling with today about the present? And about the future. And how does God's word address those fears? Renewal happens as we hear and heed the word of God. There's explosive power in the word of God to affect change. There was a preacher. This is an old story of a preacher who's going to the airport. And in his luggage is a black box, a cardboard box. And in the box is his Bible And this was before the screening and all that and all the security measures that we have today. And they saw this black box and the security guard takes it out and holds up the cardboard box and says, What's in this box? And the preacher says, Dynamite. (laughs) You wouldn't say that today, would you? I don't know what happened to the preacher. But it's a good image. The explosive power of God's word to reform, to reshape. It happened in India. It happened in Europe in the 16th century with the Protestant Reformation. It's happened here in the United States. And many of us in this place can say we have seen how God has renewed us through the power of his word. Josiah's reform was a great movement, but you know what? Here's a sobering thought. It only lasted 13 years. It seems that for many people during his reign, their behavior changed. But not their hearts. Their hearts had not been changed sufficiently. They were still divided. And so after Josiah, another king comes and the idolatry begins again and the nation begins to turn to idols and then judgment comes. And then the exile happens. You see King Josiah was a great king. But he points us to a greater king. King Jesus. Who changes people and societies. Not by the theocratic rule. Not by a program instituted from the top down. But King Jesus changes people and cultures by transforming hearts. Josiah was a great king, but Jesus was greater. Josiah heard and obeyed God's word, but Jesus is God's word in the flesh. And the words of Jesus are the words of God, the words of life. Josiah tore his robes when he realized that his people, the the degree to which they had sinned against the holy God, he tore his robes. But Jesus, King Jesus, allowed his body to be torn. He was scourged and he was beaten and he was bruised and he was nailed to a tree for the sins of his people. We have failed to perfectly hear and obey the word of God and we will never do it perfectly. But Jesus is our perfect substitute. He lived the life of obedience to the word of God that we should have lived. He died the death that we deserve to die so we could be reconciled to God. Jesus is a greater king. Jesus Jesus' reign is eternal. Josiah's reign ended when he died in battle. But Jesus fought a battle. He defeated death, hell, and the grave by his resurrection. And his kingdom is eternal. As King Jesus reigns in us by his spirit, as God's grace captures our imagination and our hearts and our minds, then our desire To hear and to heed God's word grows in our life. This is how spiritual and social change happens through the reign of King Jesus today. It's happened before. It can happen again. And I know as we think about where our culture is today, we see in many ways where it's departed from the word of God. There's no doubt about it. But I think this story of Josiah is a story. It's a warning. Kings is a warning. Here's what happens when people depart from the word of God. But it's also, there are snatches of encouragement because God can bring about reform. When people hear his word and pay attention and respond to it appropriately. God has done that before. He can do that again. He can do that in our lives, in our families, in our churches and in our culture, and in our nation. Amen. Lord, I pray that uh, you would capture our hearts once again with your grace. We thank you that you have shown a way of ruling and reigning so counter to the way of the world. You are crucified, King. Crucified and risen. We pray as we we think about our world today, and there are reasons for anxiety. There are there is evidence, so much evidence today that we could point to, uh, to 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 suggest or to to demonstrate that many people have turned their backs upon your word. But we pray, God, that we would not wring our hands about what's happening out there so much as As we would be inspired to renew our own lives and our families and our spheres of influence according to your word and to trust you with the future. We thank you that you're a living God who speaks to your people, your covenant people, and you renew us day by day and you renew us on this Lord's day as we look to you. We thank you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.